I'm April. And I'm Steph. And you're listening to The Thirst. You can find us online, Twitter, we're at The Thirst, facebook.com forward slash The Thirst Pod. You can find us on Instagram at The Thirst Pod. Our SoundCloud is soundcloud.com forward slash The Thirst Pod. You can find us on Apple Podcasts by searching for The Thirst. And we're also on Spotify um, and you can find us there by searching for The Thirst. We're also on a bunch of other podcast hosting things. So wherever you get your podcasts from, you can probably find our content. We've also got a blog, which is thethirstpod.wordpress.com. If you want to check that out for lots of links to articles and things that we cite, um, little recaps about the episodes, we also recommend that you check the show notes. And if you want to send us an email, some people have sent us emails recently, which we do appreciate. We think we might do a mailbag. Yeah, I think that would be nice. Mailbag. Mailbag. Does anyone care what we think? Uh, We called it AMA last time and I had to explain to you what an AMA was, didn't I? I've forgotten. Um, Answer? No. Ask me anything. Ask me anything. Um, Q&A. Can't we just use... Bloody, Q- Ooh, Q&A. Bloody, bloody, bloody conventional Q&A. Um, so we might do a Q&A in, in the near future, maybe on our 40th episode. That would be nice. Um, so if you want to send us an email, you can do it. It's the All those thirst- burning questions. All those burning questions. Um, the thirstpod at gmail.com. This is episode 38. I forgot to do a pun. I um, just realised. Do you want to know the one thing I wrote down and then deleted because it was so boring okay. is that on a roulette wheel... I'm so bored. Go on. In America, there are 38 slots. Oh. Yeah. Cool. Films I've, that are good with roulette boards in them. Um, well, there's Ocean's Eleven is set in a casino. Basically just Ocean's. The film Rounders has gambling in it. so that's Casino Royale? Casino. 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 Casino Royale. Uh, it's got gambling in it that um, we like. I don't know. Hey, if you know any good casino-based films... Maybe send us an email. Maybe send us an email. There was something we watched recently that had a casino in it. There was a, there was a casino in the, in Star Wars, The Last Jedi. Oh, there was. I liked, that was in the lull period of that film. But Justin through section. Oh, yeah, that was pretty... I liked that. <sighs> Wasn't that the lull bit where they go on a bit of a detour and it's um, a bit like, why has this happened? Yeah, it's the Rose and Finn adventure. I mean, time. as much as I love Rose and Finn, it, it's just a slight... Anyway, this isn't us reviewing The Last Jedi. <laughs> We've done that before. You can find that on a past episode. Anyway, this is our um, end of year roundup. It is. Except it's January the 4th. Yes, but that's... I mean, you have to make sure you fully get into the new year in well, case something comes up on the 31st, which... Which it did for us. I mean, I spend a lot of the Christmas period doing, like, catch-up. Mm-hmm. because I find it's a good period of downtime to watch, read, listen, do stuff that yeah. I've missed out on throughout the year. So I always find it actually quite stressful to... I get really annoyed when people start making end-of-year lists at, like, the like start November. of December, like, end of November. Very stressful. Because, like, how can you have consumed all content by that point? Also, I mean, as people will notice with these lists anyway, like, the UK is mercifully behind in all releases of anything, so... It is the time of year where I get, like, deeply stressed like, oh, cool. the fact that there Twelve are, like, of these films. When I do my list, there are things that technically came out in the States last year, so 2018, Mm. but only got a UK release in 2019, so technically count. But like most people, there's a load of stuff that has not been out in the UK. Yeah, so I mean, for us, it's things that we've watched in 2019, which were 2019 releases, sort of, with the exception of a few things which we'll come to. Yeah, so cheaters, bloody cheaters. Well, it's our um, little recap of 2019. So. We will start with movies, yeah, and we will progress onward. It will be a slightly different format to our usual episodes. Maybe it will even be quicker. It might be um, that <laughs> by some it... bloody miracle. Twenty twenty, we're doing shorter episodes. Um, that means it now won't be. It'll be like a ten no, seventeen hour it. podcast. Well but... done, well done. Okay, so if we start with movies. Yes. Um, which way would you like to do this? Ten to one or <sighs> one to ten? Let's do well. Let's do ten to one. <clears throat> okay, I think that that works because I have a feeling that we will align ourselves at the top spot. Yes, I think. I think we will. I've actually, saying that, I've actually done nine oh. and then I've just got 
a big massive honourable mentions well, because I struggled with number 10 so much okay. I just didn't know what to put actually in there well, and not so I did fif- top 15 oh you cheated we both cheated I Ex- didn't do 10 and neither did you except one of them actually has two in it so, so actually you did 16 yeah but I mean there is a cut off you point. are an absolute cheater that anyway, is so naughty um, do you want to go first yeah I can go first because you have the more conventional ranking system well I've okay so let's say these are a collection of nine of my favourite films of this year plus some honourable mentions that I'll list at the end it is worth mentioning that we haven't seen things like uh, Souvenir or Portrait of a Lady on Fire um, I'm sure there's a bunch of other films as well that haven't come out yet, so we haven't seen them, and a few that we've managed to sneaky see, but a lot of UK listeners won't have seen them yet, so apologies. Nice to make allowances but hey, for we're, ourselves. We're, we're bigging them up in advance, yeah, so fine. that's nice. Um, so the first one I've put is Joker. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Your face. Your face. Oh my God. That would have been the end of the podcast. Joke. It would have been like Joke. on... I've just had a think, and actually, I really love this fit. No, I don't know. So the one I've put uh, as my ninth is Booksmart. Oh, good. Uh, easily that one was of... my number nine. Oh, well done us. So easily one of the most fun films of the year. It was so fun. Just very relatable. And particularly in terms of its portrayal of friendship. Yes, I do remember we reviewed it on the pod, didn't we? And with I Peggy. Remember, with Peggy. Oh my God, we did. And I remember us talking about how when we saw it, we just sat holding, I mean, we always sit holding hands anyway, but there was a point where we were just like absolutely beside ourselves at the like portrayal of female friendship on screen and right? how relatable it was. And it was such a nice experience in the cinema. Yeah, it was so, so nice. I'm so glad we did it. And I love Beanie and I love Caitlin and I love... Billy and it's just such a nice cast and it's one of the films this year has stuck with me that because it is just so fun it's really fun just a very nice escapist film I spent a lot of 2019 trying to find a boiler suit that was very similar to <sighs> the one Excellent. that they wear in, in Booksmart didn't Excellent find boiler, it but I mean 2020, 2020 maybe it'll it be your outfit for 2020 it'll be like the flea bag jumpsuit but in 2020 with <laughs> yeah. the Booksmart boiler suit <laughs> number eight I put as Knives Out oh, because good, it was slick fun star studded again i think these tie at the end is like my two super fun films of this year it was a very fun time like the ones that were just pure joy yeah and made me laugh and made me smile and were good fun um well put together and good fun yeah um number seven i have put as doctor sleep mainly because i think a there's not many horror films in my ranking this year which makes me sad um hats off to mike flanagan for managing to pull off pretty much the impossible with a fairly mediocre novel and a film that has to balance Kubrick fans and King fans. Um, so for him to even manage this to the the sort of the quality that he did, there's things I don't like about this film, but I still think it was so much better than I thought it was going to be. So it's actually a really impressive adaptation um, and he's imbued a lot of those characters with so much sort of empathy and life. I really liked it. Number six is Uncut Gems, which we saw... The other day, which hasn't been released in the UK yet. No. Sorry, UK viewers, but hey, make sure you go and see it when it does eventually come yep. out. What was my reaction to this film when we were okay, watching it? Okay, so Uncut Gems is a film, I mean, it's worth saying, it's my number three. Mm-hmm. Uncut Gems is a film that I've spent so much of 2019 like looking forward to. Mm-hmm. I, um, I'm i obsessed with the Safdie brothers mm-hmm. um, and... So the idea of them making this film with Adam Sandler just seemed like bananas to me. And the Safties, if you've not watched any of their films before, they did a film in 2017 called Good Time that had mm-hmm. Robert Pattinson in. And they're of course. N- known for making like quite 
high energy stress inducing anxiety inducing films so i knew going into it that it was probably going to be like really stressful but like totally worth it mm. because that's the payoff and i think i'd said to you like oh just so you know it's probably going to be quite stressful yeah to, like, based watch. on the trailer i was like i'm probably going to be a bit stressed yeah but like within about the first 15 minutes i mean i was like stressed as fuck but like yeah no fine i had expected it so i'd like was be able to kind of like self-soothe and just yeah. be like yeah no it's fine but I think that you were like so much more stressed out by it than I think you'd anticipated. Just wanted to scream. And there was a bit where I think you, I mean, I did definitely posted it on Twitter so um, listeners will be able to find it there. There's a picture where you just had your hands on your face because you were so stressed. stressed. And then within the last, there's like a very like intense 15 minute, like last 15 minutes. Yeah. And you were just like, we watched it at your house. I couldn't sit on the sofa. You anymore. were just like I didn't lying sit. I on your down. footstool in your living room watching it. And I, I think. I filmed it because I was like absolutely dying. I was like, this I is. I couldn't it. sit still. I couldn't sit on my bum. I was like sitting on my feet at one point. I just couldn't. I, were, if I could climb the walls, I would have been. You were properly climbing. I was freaking out. Yeah, just... stress eating Lindor chocolate. Stress. And... <laughs> I was eating chocolate and I didn't even want any. Didn't chocolate. even want any chocolate. It was too close to Christmas. No. I had too much chocolate. And that was like exactly the reaction I wanted. Yeah. Completely it was very, very stressful. Wanted, so. Who expected me to feel so compelled by an Adam Sandler movie? Um, My favourite part of watching Uncut Gems was when you turned to me at one point and go like, do you fancy Adam Sandler? There was just a long pause and I was like, fuck's sake. Do you know, I answered that knowing, like, I asked that knowing what the answer would be from you. You were pouring I'm not ashamed of it. I mean, uh, well, that's fine. There's lots to unpack there. Um, <laughs> anyway, I'm glad that you put it in your top ten. Yeah, very good. Who expected The weekend to return in 2019? That's very... Uh, that was the thing I didn't anticipate was spending most of my Thursday at back at work listening to the weekend. <laughs> Going, wow, is it 2012? This is no one needed that. Truly wild. Yeah, so that was my number six. My number five was another film we watched that day, which was a really stressful day. Parasite. Also not out in the UK yet. Sorry, everyone. I can't believe we did Parasite and Uncut Gems back to back. I know. What's like wild. intense? Day. Absolutely wild. For anyone who doesn't know, it's the South Korean black comedy thriller directed by Bong Joon Ho. It's kind of a social satire. Very crippling in its intensity. It's very Again, intense. Looking at sort of greed and class discrimination. Very funny. Didn't expect it to be as funny it's as it was. It's really funny. Very dark, but actually very funny. Yeah. Um, again, just a very, very absorbing, stressful, thrilling film. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're going to talk about that in some more depth when it comes out in the cinema here as well. So that was my number five. Number four, I put as Marriage Story. Just very powerful performances. Even Scarlett Johansson, who I don't love, to be honest. I think um, that's the power of that film, is that you actually remember that she has the capability. Of, I mean, yeah. we talked about that again on another episode, but she has the capability of like being good. Yeah, she really does. So I think that was one of the films, my listing, that kind of, I don't know, it played... It played straight as a just a very traumatic, highly emotive scenario. You know, a scenario that's very everyday, but is just, yeah, again, it was just totally absorbing and very funny in bits, really deeply traumatising and others very sad. Just felt totally sucked in for the whole thing. And I'm really glad we saw it yeah, me when too. we did um, in the cinema, again, yeah. not just on TV. So that was fab. Number three... <laughs> Uh, once, uh, yeah, number three is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, I, I, I wish I could say it wasn't this high, but despite its flaws, I've thought about this film so much this year. I really have. It, I really have. We had a conversation a few weeks ago as um, like end of year lists were coming out and we were kind of debating about, you know, having to do our own. Mm-hmm. And I think I texted you at one point and I was like, oh, I'm actually acutely aware of the fact that like it's going to be in mine and probably be like relatively high. It's going to have to be. Um, yeah. 
and um, I'm sort of fine with it. To be honest, I am because if I didn't enjoy it, then it wouldn't be in my in my ha- list. I, I have actually thought about it like way much more than I thought. I, I was it's going one of the films it. I've easily thought about most this year. Yeah, easily. Um, just I've thought about it so much. I've talked about it loads with people. It brought back Brad Pitt back to me in a way that I'm so thankful for. Blessed. Just utterly obsessed with him in this film. Obsessed with him. Um, so yeah, despite its flaws. It's just, it's one of Tarantino's most recent best and it was a really good film. Actually, it was better than I thought it was going to be in a lot of ways. Yeah, definitely. I thought it was going to be overblown hype and it actually... Well, considering we both went in feeling like, oh, I'm a bit apprehensive about this. I really enjoyed it. So, yes, it it is my number three um, as one of my most talked about films this year. Number two is The Lighthouse. Again, not officially released in the UK. Sorry, everyone. People love Ari Aster. I just love Robert Eggers. I am so so much. I'm so pleased that the hill we both collectively decided to die on is that Robert Eggers is like a cut above Ari Aster. Oh, so much. We're the only ones as well. Yeah. It's just me and you on this little hill. I just don't. This Robert Eggers shaped hill. Yeah, I just don't get it, but I'm happy. With a black sheep and a white seagull. Fine. <laughs> so fine with it. I love seagulls, and then seeing this film truly just like. White Philip, the seagull. Reinforced to me, like, just... why they're an A plus bird. Yeah, I mean, I went. we went in uh, me fully thinking that I was going to love this, and I, it paid off. It was just grim, funny, claustrophobic, surreal, mythic. All of those bits, yeah. amazing performances. Robert Pattinson, truly a year of Robert Pattinson, which has been you just lovely. love to see it. You love just to see it. Love to see it. It's just fucking weird as shit. I really love this film. So that is my number two. Guess what my number one is? Um, is it Little Women? It's Little Women. Would we like to pause to talk about Little Women? Yeah, absolutely. So I will do my full list in a second. Yeah. But um, my number one is also Little Women. Well, there you go. Um, Class. Well done, us. I, that will come as in like an absolute no surprise to anyone. Like non surprise to anyone that listens to this podcast or knows us or knows our interests. So we saw Little Women. We saw a preview screening of it on the sixteenth mm-hmm. of December. It. it had uk release on boxing day here which is the 26th so we saw it two weeks early and i was like very hyped for it and it completely knocked me for six it was so it was it really was again one of those films that we went in with high expectations and it absolutely paid off it's just the in payoff a way that is, was extremely charming and lovely the payoff is like a cut above anything i could have anticipated to be mm-hmm. honest i mean like i greta gerwig's take on the story, the March family. I mean, I've ha- I pr- have had no prior real attachment to Little Women. No, I think that's and I think that is a a point for us both that I haven't shamefully read the novel yet, um, and I don't have a strong attachment to any of no particular what, adaptations. Yeah, me too. So like, I'm not yeah, I'm not really attached to any of them. Um, so it's easy, you know, it's even easier for me to go in and kind of just love this version. But I think it's like from what I gather from other people as well, is a close enough imagining of the book, but it's got some really interesting kind of points of reinvention for those who, you know, only want to see an adaptation if it's 
justifying itself by doing something new. Yeah, completely. Um, and I think, again, some that can be quite a hard balance. And I think Greta just does it amazingly. I mean, the cast is just like a who's who. So it's uh, Timothy Chalamet, Saoirse Ronan, Laura Dern, Florence Pugh. Emma uh, Watson. Emma Watson, Liza Scanlon's in there. Uh, Chris Cooper, Bob Odenkirk, Lewis Garrell. Like, Tracy Letts. Tracy Letts. Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep. Chris, yeah. And I just... Yeah, James Norton. James yeah, Norton, of course. And it's just... forever. Yeah, I mean, the world that she creates and the, the, the dynamic between the sisters is just... Like, it's perfect. It's absolutely pitch perfect. It's pal- palpable. Like mm-hmm. you can just feel and the love between them. And I was when so we went to see it together on our own, and then we went to see it again with my mum and Thomas. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that Tom and I were talking about um, that evening were just actually about how it's quite. And I think I'd I'd seen someone talk about this on Twitter is the tactile nature of the it's film. Very is, it's very textured. You just want to touch yeah. everything. You just as wanna... a very tactile person myself as well, that really appeals to There's me. There's a warmth that just radiates from the screen. It's got, everything's got a lot of heart, hasn't yeah. it? The characters, but also the setting and and there's little things as well. That and I think I definitely picked up on these the second time. There were just like looks and glances and there were so many glances. The costuming as well. There are little things there. The interchange mm-hmm. and. I mean, we are obviously very heavily invested in, in the creative output of Timothy Chalamet, but I think if you are ignorant to what he does mm-hmm. as an actor, haven't seen anything of, of anything he's been in, this to me is a prime example of actually like how he does so many little things mm-hmm. that actually just create a really well-rounded character. He's always a great support... I mean, obviously, I think he's a great lead as well, but he's a great supporting role. Yeah. Like, he... He is great and he's such a well-rounded character. And as you say, like he gives these little tidbits. But also this is a film that's predominantly about the sisters and I don't think he steals from no, that No, and all. I think that was... I think he compliments that so nicely. He compliments it so well. And because Laurie is positioned as sort of an outsider to the March family who mm-hmm. eventually makes his way in, mm-hmm. there's the great moment where he enters the house for the first time when he takes Meg and Joe home mm-hmm. from the dance and you just see the look he's on his... He's watching them. Yeah, you yeah. see the look on his face when he first sees the way they interact together and how, you know, Laura Dern as Mommy, she says to him, you know, oh, you can call me mother, like, are you okay, Blah, blah, blah. And she, you know, she welcomes him in, and it's then he's so different to his life. Isn't yeah, it? and he becomes embedded, and actually, he is this perfect conduit as being the outsider that we are sort of as a viewer. And actually, you can sort of see in his looks and the way that he gets involved and mm. his relationships with each of the member of the family is that there are little subtleties in that that mm-hmm. just anytime I think about, they just fill me with just such it's love, just a constant cry. The nuzzling, good and bad. Yeah, and <laughs> nuzzling that, the horsey nuzzling. My I, God, and I think that's the thing is you've got this, you know, you've got the March, the March sisters and and you know Mami, but then you've also got the cast of supporting characters. You've got people like Chris Cooper. Yeah. You know, they get their own little moments, yeah. don't they? Like Mr. Lawrence gets his moment with Beth in the piano, yep. and everyone has their own little moment yep. to themselves, and it makes the whole, as you say, like the whole world, like so vibrant. It's just. Um, believable and you just feel like you're there and I just I found it so immersive in a way that I I mean and also as someone who doesn't particularly enjoy a lot of period pieces I don't find I mean I had to read a lot of literature of that particular time period when I did my master's Mm. but it's not something that I that, mm-hmm, that's not mm-hmm. my area of preference yeah but for me like I was just I was completely in you know in off the jump I just was there and and there is a lot to be said in in the film about you know women's rights and women's place and mm. you know to do with sort of equal rights and because you've yeah. got Joe as a writer who understands mm. that you know her success is going to be limited because she's a woman and you've got Amy who understands that 
her position you know she has she essentially has to be the yeah, person absolutely. that saves her family by mm. marrying Rick and it just oh. I saw a, like a couple of people saying that almost like the only criticism they could find is that maybe like the direct references to the way that women were you know their position in society at the time like maybe that you know those references were almost like ahead of their time mm-hmm. but oh, I don't know I just think you couldn't make a film like this now without making direct reference to, you know, yeah. you can't, it can't just be like a lovely Downton Abbey-esque period drama that's like... Yeah, completely. We and know I, that, w- we know what women, how women were regarded in society at that time and I don't think it's unrealistic for the characters to No, and I think it that. would be remiss to sort of have the presumption that actually women at the time didn't were just know happy. any better yeah didn't yeah. know any better and were just happy with their lot because louisa may alcott who obviously wrote mm. little women itself was not that type no. of person so i think it would have been completely irresponsible to sort yeah. of just be like oh you know they're fine with just being second and yeah they've all just accepted it, it's absolutely fine no yeah, so, i completely agree oh, um, it just was it was an experience so the the dynamic for me obviously between sasha and timothy was always going to be like the winner but I was also surprised by how compelled I was by Amy and Laurie later as Mm -hmm. well because I thought like for me watching Sasha and Timothy together like for me is like that's how I imagine their relationship in reality 100% her being just cool as shit and him just nuzzling her all the time Um, so I thought oh I'm really not going to be able to let this go when it comes to Amy and Laurie but actually they were so good together I think the second time around when we went to see it for a second time I think that I was less protective over the decision that yeah. you know with with Joe essentially rejecting Laurie and then Laurie marrying Amy I like, was per- of course I want Joe and Laurie of course yeah but- that but actually you understand and I mean I I have done such a 180 on Florence Pugh in the sense that she was someone who had previously like not given much care for mm-hmm, mm-hmm. whereas now I like I'm absolutely this obsessed. has been her year so she's you know. I think she's really brilliant and I think she's very very good at as Amy and I think that she's brilliant yeah she's brilliant as Amy, Amy March's character I think is always the one that gets criticised quite a mm. lot, and I thought she—I thought she was a really well-rounded Amy. Yeah, she was. She was, actually. She was a, there were points where she was an absolute brat. There were points where she was extremely sympathetic, and points where she was really savvy. Like, she, and you get like, the—you understand totally... the sort of the heartache that she must have to have had to have endured, mm-hmm. sort of knowing because there's a part where she says, you know, like I've come second to Joe I've my always entire second, life, yeah. and you—I'm an only child, so I've never had to experience the dynamic of mm-hmm, mm-hmm. being between siblings and there being a, you know, it can be hard. It can be really tricky, and I think actually that really came across on the screen, and I just, I just could quite happily go and see this film a thousand more times. So could I. I was just absolute end of year perfection. So oh. glad it came out at Christmas. Um, just... A wonderful time. So good. Do you want to do a notable others before I do mine? Uh, yeah, just a few honourable mentions. One which you pointed out to me, which I did not realise came out this year in the UK, was mid nineties. We didn't um, talk about mid nineties on the pod. I don't at think all. we did. I think no. we missed it. So I really enjoyed mid nineties, and it's it's a film that I've wanted to. I need to rewatch at some point because at the time I think I wasn't sure whether I'd like it loads or not, but mm-hmm. I I just found it utterly charming in a lot of ways. I think it did it come out the year before in the US. So it, I think that when we were talking about it earlier today, I think I said that it came out October 2018 in the States and then actually got a UK release. It was in like April or something. April mad, this year. It? And yeah. we've talked about the sort of, I don't know, frustrating distribution system yeah. that A24 have in the UK. So it's shocking. It's irritating to say the least. It um, is. But I'm glad that we finally did get to see yeah, it. Yeah. So it's been in, it's in my honourable mentions for this year, despite mm-hmm. it might be in some others uh, for last year. Um, I put Hustlers in there as a film that I just 
again, we reviewed, really enjoyed. I have to put The King as an honourable mention because we went to London Film Festival to see it. It was an event, again, of itself. Anything with Timothy in, great, etc., etc. Rob Pattinson. I rewatched it over Christmas, and that was only the second time I've seen it. Mm -hmm. Fun time. Made my parents watch it. Great time. Tom really liked it. I think every person we've shown it to has enjoyed it. Uh, My parents really enjoyed Robert Pattinson. Good. I mean, who couldn't? My mum thought he was a little dickhead. So there you go. Is that a direct quote? Yeah. Oh my god, I love love that. Burning. I saw Burning, the South Korean film from Lee Chang Dong, which again was quite frightful in a lot of places um i have that to watch this weekend oh lovely yeah, well, let me know what you think. i did enjoy it the favorite which was right at the beginning of the year was another good time good time uh if bill street could talk is in my honorable mentions ad astra brad pitt 2019 uh i have to put it chapter two even though it was never it you know it it was good it wasn't great it was never going to be great. It was probably better than I thought it was going to be. We cried. Um, I cried. So that must it mean awful. it needs an honourable mention. Yeah. High Life, which we watched at home and in parts I found quite baffling, but in other parts I found very interesting. Yeah. Odd film. Border, which I s- sort of really didn't like at the time, but in hindsight, I think it is a very bizarre, magical and well put together film, but also quite grim. And probably have to give oh honourable mention to The Irishman. I carved six hours of my life out to watch The Irishman. I can't believe that you watched The Irishman. You deserve, like, a medal. I have I not found time in my schedule that I've been willing to dedicate to watching The Irishman yet. It's good. It has very good performances. It's really, really, really long. Really I just, long. I, Unnecessarily wrong. I just, but very good performances. I think my frustration with The Irishman, um, a thing I wish is that we'd had the opportunity to see it in a cinema because... You need that. I know that if we'd gone to see it in the cinema, I would have gladly sat with it and watched it. We probably it. need an interval with ice cream, but... Fine, it, you know. but if I... If I my apprehension at the moment is just like I know I'm good. It's gonna. T- it, it's three and a half hours long, but it's it'll take so me long. five hours because I'll get distracted halfway through. You have to have a break for forty five minutes. Need like twelve drinks. Need a yeah. snack or something like that. Great performances, really, really, really. Maybe long, if which I does it a disservice, I think. Yeah, maybe if I do watch it, we we, we can talk about it if you wish. Uh, we'll I'm see sure I have thoughts. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. So there's my honourable mentions. Uh, do you want to give a shout out to your huge long list? Yeah. So I did fifteen. Yeah. Because uh, I got really stressed about the prospect of trying to order all of these um and also i just was acutely aware of how there were quite a lot of things from this year that i did really really good year. enjoy it was a good year. good year for film also we did screw ourselves over by watching two films on new year's eve which we then had to shovel into our yeah because i'd sort of made a list already and then those through like massive spanners in the work mm-hmm. so um something you've already mentioned my 15 was if bill street could talk barry jenkins adaptation of james baldwin we reviewed that we did we review it i really really liked it um mm-hmm. it's a very beautiful film with some brilliant performances in that great score as well the 14 is claire denise uh high life which you've yep. just mentioned absolutely baffling but quite heartfelt and i found myself thinking about portions of it more than i ever thought i would yeah very striking in terms of its kind of visuals yeah like, very but, striking looking film yeah it was quite baffling in places it was yeah a lot of like interesting imagery and um, I think the problem is we didn't watch it very long after we'd seen Ad Astra which is Mm -hmm. also space based and I think that I was so overwhelmed by Ad Astra that by the time we got to watch High Life I was a bit like this is very good but I'm still thinking about I think High Life is quite confusing though Mm -hmm. I don't think it's got the strongest no framework in terms of storytelling but 
visually it just isn't visually really cool i also think it's a very good robert pattinson performance and we've talked about him before at length about how he makes really really interesting choices and i think that's a prime example of him obviously wanting to work with an acclaimed director Mm -hmm. and just doing it and sort of not really worrying what anyone else thinks classic really Um, isn't it so there we go my number 13 is hustlers uh number 12 is the favorite uh 11 is mid 90s lovely my number 10 is something that I know that you watched the previous year, but I think, again, with the A24 release schedule, had a Oh, didn't actually have a UK release, release until yeah, this year. Yeah, I'm eighth grade. Oh, yeah, that was in last year's yeah, list for Bo me. Burnham's directed. <gasps> so good. Yeah, I really, what really liked it. Film. I watched it at the start of last year, I think, and I mm-hmm. just really, really liked it. I think it really captured that annoying adolescent... <laughs> trauma of being a teenager and also what it's like to be a teenager like now Mm -hmm. which is such so at odds to how it seems so baffling to me i'm so glad i'm not a teenager now right after that my number nine again is book smart lovely um my number eight is the farewell oh i haven't seen the farewell yeah i can't remember i mentioned it on the podcast it's definitely worth seeing it's a lulu wang's directed film about her experience with her grandmother falling ill and how her family deals with that. It's got a really amazing lead performance by Aquafina. Um, it's a relatively sort of serious film mm. and Aquafina is someone who's known for being more of a comedic actress and I was mm. just really taken back by how like, mm. emotionally gut-punching the film was and her performance mm. was as well. So I definitely suggest that anyone seeks that out. They have the chance to. Um, my number seven is a joint entity. It's the Brad Pitt section. It is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Ad Astra. You're Brad Pitt? Brackets. Brad Pitt extravaganza. Um, We've talked at length about um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and have also shouted out Ad Astra as well. I do think of the two, and I think I said this at the time, I preferred Ad Astra, but I think Mm. they are such an interesting snapshot of Brad Pitt at this particular stage in his life. And I've thought about Ad Astra an awful lot this year. It led to me contemplating like human existence. um, (laughs) Which I struggle with at the best of times. Yeah, and I just, I found it really, really effective. I think that of his performances from this year when it comes to like award season which we are now in the the middle of uh, Golden Globes are tomorrow mm. um, it's not the one that I think will get him any accolades. No it will be it will be if he does get it it will be Once Upon a Time Yeah I think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood will definitely have eclipsed Ad Astra but I do think it's going to be one of those Brad Pitt performances much like um, The Assassination of Jesse mm-hmm. James which in 10 15 years we look People back remember. at as being like a really standout performance My number 6 is Knives Out um, Lauren Johnson's Who Done It just loved it gave me the gift of Chris Evans being an absolute asshole. Is it? Are you mostly putting the jumper in that slot? Uh, the jumper would be number one, I think. Okay, good. Um, good but good. I just really like Knives Out. Um, I'm actually annoyed I haven't had the chance to go and see it again because I just sort of want to see if I pick up on different stuff. But we've it got an great. entire episode that's dedicated to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, my number five is The Lighthouse. Again, I just was really... I can't tell if it was the fatigue or if it was the excitement. <laughs> we did watch it very late at night. We saw it at like 11 o'clock at night at the premiere. At Unnecessarily LFF, Needless. Late. But though, actually, I think that really added to it. So I'm quite... We like, were really far away from the screen as well and with the aspect ratio. I yeah. just felt like I was watching it in a very dark tunnel. Which I think actually added to the experience. Oh, yeah. And I'm really looking forward to seeing it again when it gets a wide UK release this month. I think loads of people will be talking about it. Yeah. And I'm also really interested to see what the kind of like widespread response to it is because I think when we 
talked about it and London Film Festival, we mentioned The Witch and actually how a lot of people were kind of baffled by The Witch and thought it was going to be one thing and didn't really get it. So I'm interested to see if the same reaction is given to The Lighthouse. I feel like it will. It will. My number four is Parasite. Um, As we mentioned, the Bong Joon-ho directed black comedy, I suppose. I just... It was so intense and funny and distressing and uh-huh. interesting and a very, I don't know, prescient look at class divide and made me acutely... Eat the rich. Eat the rich. It made me acutely aware of actually how I really need to watch a lot more of mm-hmm. like world cinema, mm-hmm. which is something I'm going to try and it's do. It's great that these are getting a release, like there's some burning... Yeah, completely. In, in, yeah, like we've had some strong one thing with Parasite as well is that it's had this sort of like widespread critical mainstream response which I think is very rare and very interesting for a film that's like not English language Mm -hmm. especially a Korean film to have so I think that this is going to do very well in the awards season I've really enjoyed kind of catching up on a lot of like Parasite-based content Mm. I've been holding off on. Um, There was a brilliant picture I saw online this morning Um, I think it was from one of like the Golden Globes or or AFI dinners. Was it the AFI dinner with Brad Pitt? With Brad Pitt, yeah. yeah. There's this brilliant picture of like Bong Joon Ho and like Brad Pitt looking really psyched, and then Bong Joon Ho looking just sort of like, yeah, hi. Um, he comes across as like Director Hilarious. Bong comes what across as a brilliant joke. guy. So um, I think we will re- review it in full. I think maybe mm-hmm. when it comes out because it's something I definitely like to sit and unpack a little bit more. Um, but I'm very glad that we saw it before the year is out. My number three is Uncut Gems. This is the section where I monologue about the Safties. I just fucking loved it (laughs) i'm really glad that we got to see it it's so high octane it's so stress inducing it's just that type of cinema is something that i like i really enjoy and i think it's got a brilliant adam sandler is someone who often gets talked about in the realms of people perceive that he does trash and then every so often will do like a serious role he's done some shit he has yeah but most people have i guess Um, but but he'll do like a serious role and everyone will be like oh he's so misunderstood but i mean he was brilliant is this i can't imagine imagine anyone else um playing no it was a very good performance i can't imagine anyone else playing howard ratner other than him it had a great ensemble cast it was a very interesting glimpse into the diamond district in the states um there are like a number of like podcasts interviews with the Safdie brothers that I suggest everyone catch up with there's one on Big Picture there's the interview they did with A24 and Paul Thomas Anderson which I listened to last night which was like a gift from God Mm. Um, I just think they're really really interesting filmmakers I'm always continually interested to see what they do next Um, the score is stress inducing as well oh yeah it's a really stressful score Um, but we'll definitely maybe talk about it properly when it comes out Uh, Mm. my number two is Marriage Story which we've unpacked to death and of course, my number one is Little Women. Oh, well done. Um, notables, I've got Avengers Endgame. So much joy in my well, life. Well, yeah, I mean, that's understandable. Um, I also watched The Last Black Man in San Francisco. Oh, over I have watched that, yeah. The Christmas Period, really beautiful film. Uh, Peanut Butter Falcon, John McThree, Us, of which I forgot came out yeah, this year. Yeah, I mean, Us was... It was fine. Us was kind of one of one of the films that I was most hyped to see at the beginning of the year. Um, and the trailer hyped me so much. And the soundtrack and then it didn't quite live up to expectations no to be honest. it's definitely so, um a little bit of a it was one of my down. bigger disappointments yeah. of the year i have to say the dead don't die uh, i did not like that film i know you didn't but it's i really interesting though very really, polarizing yeah i really enjoyed it um there's a documentary called minding the gap mm-hmm. which is about some uh skateboarders which mm-hmm. i found really uh, overly uh, 
emotionally overwhelming. Triple Frontier deserves a shout out on the basis that it just brought me endless joy. That's a good film, but it was fun. Fun. Destroyer, Sebastian Stan snogging. Mm -hmm. Yes, please. Um, Velvet Buzzsaw, because it was bizarre. And also Spider-Man Far From Home on the basis that it brought Jake Gyllenhaal into the MCU. Oh yeah, that's fair. Um, That's more than fair. We'd just like to pause here and say that we did see Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker over the Christmas period. We did. Um, It's fine. Yeah, it's fun. I don't think we'll be unpacking it any more than that on the I podcast. Don't, I don't think it's necessary. Oh, there's just so... I mean, like, the, the the dialogue and the conversation around Star Wars has been absolutely done to death on social media. Yeah. I'm kind of sick of seeing it. And I think we both enjoyed it. I think, for me, it's probably the weakest of the three. 100%. Um, still very enjoyable yeah. and would watch again. Yeah. Love the cast, but... I've I've now seen it twice I went to see it again and I think it makes even less sense the second time around it did disappoint me but I mean I had a fun time it was a nice time yeah I mean we were both extremely pro The Last Jedi and Ryan Johnson so it was never gonna I don't know it's like it it tries to undo a few things there that you know I didn't really appreciate but as you say it was it was fine. It was, fine. It was good. Poe Dameron and a scarf. I think we're more pro it than some others. Yeah, I just don't have um, any interest in really... I do more of a thumbs up than a thumbs down. Yeah, I have no interest in unpacking it more than that, though. No. So that's our review in full. On to television. Yeah. I'm going to try and pick up the pace a bit. So I've listened... It's been a really good year for television. I found it very interesting that last year when I did my TV roundup, I think I could only come up with five things that I really cared about. Mm-hmm. Whereas this year I had a solid 10 and then I had a lot of like notable others, mm-hmm. um, which I think is testament to how, how much more television I've watched you this year and also perhaps the calibre of yeah. it. Really, really good. So my kind of 10 best, which aren't really strictly ordered, so I'm just going to run yep, through fine. them. I've put in True Detective season three for being a TV. I really love having a TV event. Yeah. And it was one of the shows we watched this year, which was an event for me. Definitely was. Like tuned in every week, um, reading loads of conspiracy theories, discussing it with you, discussing it with Wes. That's what I love about television. Um, So it was really fun to do that. I felt like it picked up a lot of the slack of season two, which I really didn't enjoy. I thought it had a really strong beginning. It didn't didn't completely pan out in the way that I wanted it to, and yeah. it was a letdown. Yeah. But I had a lot of fun watching it at the time. I enjoyed the week by week nature of it. Yeah, and Definitely. it's there hasn't been many shows that I've watched that way this year. Yeah. So I was I was glad to have it. And there were some strong performances in it. Again, I don't think anything... I don't think True Detective is ever going to live up to season one. So I think they probably need to kill it off um, ASAP. But it was definitely stronger than season two. So as a TV event, I've put that in there as one of my more notable shows of the year. Um, I watched season one and two of Dairy Girls this year. Oh, lovely. Pure joy, easily. I just need to do it. I still haven't done it. It's so easy to binge because they're like half an hour episodes and there's like six episodes in a six. Just so easy to binge in one evening evening total total joy really savvy Ugh, i just can't it's just such easy watching and it's so fun and they're the sort of episodes that you can go back and revisit love that um and laugh at really strong female cast just Brilliant. northern ireland just love it number eight is Watchmen, which is something we've reviewed we fairly recently yeah something that i didn't think i would be very invested in 
and surprised me quite a lot. Took a little while to warm up in terms of me being someone who hasn't read the graphic novel. So there are a few threads at the beginning that didn't quite make sense to me and I had to do a lot of background reading. But I thought it came together really well, made some just some really interesting commentary and I don't know, really strong performances. The soundtrack was absolutely wild and one of my favourite schools of the year easily. Really glad that Lindelof has said that it will be a standalone for him. Yeah, so we it's worth bearing in mind actually we I think we reviewed episodes one to six, one to seven, mm-hmm. and then the finale happened and since then Damon Lindelof has said like I'm not doing it anymore. If anyone yeah. else wants to do it, fine. But I imagine they will pick that. up. I, I imagine they will enlist yeah. someone else to do it. I'm really glad Lindelof made that decision yeah. though. I think More it works really well as a standalone yeah. season. Um the second to last episode was one of the strongest for me. I don't think the last was as strong, but altogether just a really well rounded yeah, piece of television. Very well put together. Number seven, again fun watching I put Russian yeah, uh, Natasha Leon, just unbelievable. Really clever TV, actually. It was really very clever, clever, wasn't it? Um, and just again, something I raced to watch and just couldn't get enough of. Uh, I put number six as Pose. It came out in the UK this year, and again was something that I didn't expect to be. I don't know. I just didn't expect to be as absorbed as I was. It was. So, I got so emotionally invested in it. So probably in a way that I didn't the most think I out of my list. Probably the most emotionally gotcha just invest yeah just i was completely absorbed by it and i don't know it was uplifting it was harrowing it was it's just really strong cast i just can't believe ryan murphy made it um isn't that wild to even think about just ryan murphy not a thing that i would put next to ryan murphy's name ever as i just wouldn't have thought it going into it expecting something completely different and american horror story-esque but it was handled so well really really glad i watched it and took a chance and watched it because i wasn't even sure if i was going to watch it initially uh number five it's been a year of schitt's creek i've watched all of it and it's obviously not the final season yet which is too soon just so much joy oh just real joy just fancy david so much number four is unbelievable the netflix show which we reviewed in some depth actually so i won't go into it too much was again something that I thought would be one thing and turned out to be something completely different, kind of more of a police procedure on the end than I expected, which I absolutely love a police procedure. Really, really strong performances and just I've thought about it quite often. It's so good. Yeah. Uh, Strange Things 3, God, we did not, I don't think I expected to love it as much as I did. I didn't because I was so apprehensive about after season two, yeah. but God, it was good. It was so much wasn't fun it? wasn't it just a delight it was an absolute delight we went to secret cinema the other week um which was stranger things themed and that was again a total fun it was just the most fun, fun. what just, an event like just ridiculous and fun and if you have the chance to go i think it's on until the end of feb yeah like totally worth it it's tight yeah it's just mad it's absolutely balmy but again a world that you like gladly could just step into 100 yeah it's it is a world you want to be in just fancy billy so much uh, number two, Chernobyl, easily. Just remember, this is definitely the most harrowing thing I've watched this year. Glad it's a miniseries because I think I would have cut my own head off <laughs> if it was going to carry on. Just really, really powerful television at its best. I think, I mean, a lot of people have seen it, so they know. Listen to the accompanying podcast. It gives some really interesting sort of context and other information around Chernobyl itself as an event and the making of the TV show. Excellent. Number one, uh, I guess, is Fleabag, because Fleabag, the year of Hot Priest, 
I don't know if there's much else to say. Flea Bay is going to sweep all of the awards this year and I can see why. I really, really hope that they don't do any more. I really hope that Phoebe Waller-Bridge holds true and just doesn't do anymore because I think that I think season two is like such a cut above season one which is also fucking Mm -hmm. great and I just think like why would you want to not go out on a high it ended on such a great note such a great note strong strong ending absolutely didn't pander to like what you would want as a fan not too long really sharp just perfect so good just don't touch it Let's all just be really glad we got to see it. The end. Yeah. Honourable mentions, sex education, which we spent quite a long time talking about, which was good fun. Season two comes out in two weeks. Yeah, that's exciting. Sure. There was a Netflix TV show called Marianne, which was a French horror series, which was pretty creepy, um, which I enjoyed. Also honourable mention to Euphoria, Zendaya, amazing, amazing, amazing. What a soundtrack. Loved it. Absolutely wild. I've almost finished His Dark Materials, which was very... I still haven't Very nice. A very good adaptation. Wholesome content. I'm looking forward to doing it when I get there. Yeah. I think you'll enjoy it when you do. I think yeah. it's, it's, it's strong. It's not in my top list, but it's strong. Um, and also Mindhunter Season 2. Good shout. Okay, so mine. Number 10, Mindhunter Season 2. Um, not as good as Mindhunter season one, but... Some very uncanny performances, as in, like, portrayals of Charles Manson. Yeah. Wild. I just, I re- you know, great cast. I can't remember if we've talked about it on the pod or not, but... I think we have. Bill Tench, like, loved it. I absolutely love David Fincher, um, and I just think that sort of his aesthetic vision that's been carried on by the directors he really suits this sort of stuff doesn't yeah, he yeah completely and i think i watched during the summer of brad pitt i re-watched seven for the first oh, time in many years and it was so really interesting to re-watch that after having seen mindhunter mm-hmm. i think it was just sort of really interesting to see with the through line and i think that you know visually david finch has got a very distinctive palette visually so. by that you mean gray yeah and i don't know it just has a very good aesthetic dark. that i'm he very does. into so it's a very grim aesthetic yep uh number nine is barry season two love bill hader so much wish more people i knew watched barry i think that it's really sorry mate it's fine it's really interesting kind of dark comedic harrowing comedy half an hour episodes brilliant performances uh definitely worth seeking out unbelievable is number eight Number seven, I watched over Christmas. It's become my like annual Christmas joy thing is The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel season Lovely. three. Just a continued fun time. Uh, love the period setting. Love the use of real life comedians like Lenny Bruce. Um, I think that Michael Zegan, who plays Joel Maisel, is just the best. So there we go. Number hey, six, was just big fan. Number six was Shit's Creek. We are nearly finished with season five, but again, this is pretty much as since Vaughn was here in the summer, actually, we've just binged, just binged. All of it. And I just, I'm so glad that I caved. I've been so resistant. It's a bit of a lifesaver when you're feeling down. God, like, I don't know it's why. It's the ultimate comfort watch. I don't know why I was so reluctant, but when I started it, I was like, this is exactly what I've wanted in the aftermath of, like, Parks and Recreation, mm-hmm. which used to be my go to, mm-hmm. and then 30 Rock, which again was my very much my, like, 30 minute need a pick up. I can't watch The Good Place anymore because of Jamila Jamil. Sorry. Total, um, so it's really nice to have something that's so short, but you get really invested in the characters mm-hmm. and their lives. And I think that it's just a really, really brilliant series. I'm so glad that I opened my heart to. Number five was Euphoria. I just absolutely loved it. Number four, Watchmen. Number three, Stranger Things. Three. Oh, joint three for um, us. Number it. two, Fleabag season two. And yeah. can you guess what my number one is? Is it Succession? It's motherfucking Succession. Oh my God. I just love it with all of my 
a small poor person heart. I don't know why I'm so invested in these horrible, in horrible rich people. Horrible rich people. April. They embody everything we hate. My God, Eat I the just, rich. I love it. I have it tattooed on my body now. Um, so you're stuck with it. You better I'm have stuck it. Don't fuck it up. I just don't care. I love it. I love everything about it. I discovered today that Jeremy Strong, who plays Kendall Roy, went to high school with Chris Evans. So there we go. That just These makes, parallels. Fuck me, honestly. It's such a great show. I just... A thing that would make no sense to you is that in Uncut Gems, um, Eric Bogosian, who played Arno, mm-hmm. is in Succession and plays Gil Evers. And the two characters couldn't be too more opposed. And that's Oh, that's I, interesting. That's why I love it. Because I just think it's just great performances, great cast, brilliant writing. You get so invested in these people who are absolutely deplorable. And I just... Please watch it. Please watch it. Um, notable others. Glow, uh, season three. Tuka and Bertie. Sex Education, Russian Door. Pose, The Final City of Broad City. Oh, I forgot Broad City was this year. Yep. Yeah. I watched over Christmas. I think you should leave with Tim Robinson, which is a very surreal comedy show from Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, Tim Robinson used to write for SNL and it's all just very weird and uncomfortable and funny. Um, and also watched the John Mulaney and the Sack Lunch Bunch oh, yes. special. It's not really TV. It's not really a film, but... I have had... Just put it in there somewhere. It's just brilliant. I fucking love John Mulaney. It's just so odd and has... It's got people like Richard Kind, David Byrne from Talking Heads. It's got yeah. Jake Gyllenhaal. It's just like a fun time. I've had the soundtrack on repeat. I just... It's brilliant. It's surreal, weird, only an hour and ten. Definitely watch it if you can. Um, big shout out to Food Shows. Um, oh yes, that is something that's got you through this year. As you know, my favourite thing ever. Bon Appetit's YouTube channel, Salt, Acid, Fat, Heat on Netflix, The Chef Shows Season 1 and 2 on Netflix, and Breakfast, Lunch and Dinner on Netflix as well. Netflix, inexplicably very good for food-based food. content. <laughs> um, so there we go. On to music, and I have this year finally abandoned my list of industrial noise that I bring every year really that no one down. cares about. There's only one crossover listener, and that's Tristan, and we can talk about it in our DMs. So I care. Do you care? Yeah. Okay, well, I can give you the same list. Um, (laughs) But I'm going to cut it out of here. So I've stuck to kind of more pop releases this year. So because I just don't want to inflict it on anyone anymore. No one cares. It's fine. My very Gemini side coming out there. Uh, (laughs) Just split personality. So pop records of this year that I have enjoyed. Did you rank them or just is this general? Uh, They're kind of ranked. Let's say they are ranked. I know what the number one is, so... Yeah. Okay, let's just say they're ranked, but some of them meet in the middle a bit. But if I say they're ranked, then one of them is hilarious. So let's just do it. Okay, so Taylor Swift Lover. One I had to revisit later, and I liked a lot more at that point. I think it's fucking amazing. It's a very, very good record. It's such a return to form. Very strong record after... I mean, I enjoyed Reputation, but it's a bit of a wobbler. I um, went back to Reputation and saw more positives in it than I had done at yeah. the time. But Lover is just like, yes, Taylor, came back, back on the horse, came back, well done. Killing it. Yeah. Look forward to listening to that again in the summer. Yeah. Number nine, King Princess, Cheap Queen. Good show. Love the opener on this, which is tough on myself. Guitar so driven. Good. So good. Just, this is like pop music at its absolute best. Yeah. Just very clever, very emotive, just out there so good outfits great number eight is chromatics closer to gray so it's their seventh studio album and their first in seven years it's just excellent electro could listen to it all the time makes me think of twin peaks i really enjoyed it because a it makes me think of twin peaks but it also is a complete flashback to the period of time where ryan gosling was in drive and there was chromatics oh my god yes and then his film lost river which was soundtrack makes makes a great like tv or film accompaniment so chromatics and just anything that sounds vaguely like 
like 80s electro Love is it. always going to be on my list so really really enjoyed that i've put moona saves the world so pop music with kind of a synthy edge i guess number one fan is probably one of my favorite songs of this year um, I was just, listening to it again this morning. An amazing pop song. It's such a banger. Um, I'm really glad we saw them um, a couple of years ago. Again, just amazing women. So, just so cool. Number six is Angel Olsen, All Mirrors. Love that. Dark, alt rock. Always going to love anything like that, really. I don't know if we've spoken about that record We haven't before. mentioned it on Oh, the okay, we haven't on the pod. Podcast. Go and listen to it if you haven't. Number five, I don't think we could talk about 2019 without mentioning Lizzo. Because I love you, uh, truly her year. Very hard to overlook the person who's given us Truth Hurts, which is probably one of the songs that we've listened to most this year. That's my most played song of this year. So I yeah. still have Last FM because I'm a nerd. And my top played song of this year is Truth, Truth Hurts. Hurts by like, it's like double, <laughs> a clear mile. It's double anything else in <laughs> the top 10. Song. It's so funny. Um, she's given us juice. She's given us tempo. She's given us the flute playing. You can't bash Lizzo. She's sick. She's good. really good. So good. Good times. Number four is Kalani, While We Wait, which is just super catchy R&B. And it's like a mixtape that I've listened to a lot this year. And I can basically put on at any point. FK, Twigs, Magdalene, uh, second studio album. Very much about getting through heartbreak. Pretty odd in places. Just like to think about Rob Pattinson putting this on. Do you think he listens to it? Yes, 100%. Do you think he is sad? I hope so. Has he seen FKA Twigs? Oh, cool. She is babe. absolutely amazing. Really strong album. Very different to I... a lot of other music I've listened to this year, I think. Yeah, so I think I actually prefer it to her first record mm-hmm. in the sense I do. that I listened to it all the way through. Yeah. Whereas with that first record, I had a tendency to skip, skip between stuff. particular... And that, that I've, my, like, two weeks is one of my favourite songs because yeah. it's just, like... So this is very, a very complete record. Like yeah, a, so one of those things that is very unified and a journey. Yeah. Um, number two, truly my biggest U-turn of 2019, I've put as Billie Eilish. <laughs> this is like the best thing in the entire world. Because this is there was a point, so funny. There was a point, I think, maybe March, April time, where I think I remember texting you and Vaughn. About how much we don't get Billie Eilish. Yeah, and being like, oh, I'm listening to Billie Eilish right now. I don't know if I really understand it. I'm just really acutely aware of how it's like for young people. And you were like, I don't get it. I don't I get d- it at all. Totally, and Vaughn was like, it's fine. Fully didn't get it. And with this record, there are a couple of songs I skip, but I I doubt that I've listened to anything more than Bad Guy and Barrier Friend this year. And when the party's over, I get three of my strongest songs this year easily. And she's so young to have pulled that off. I get Bad Guy in my head all of the time. It's so good. It's so good. I remember listening to that song first and being like, I don't get it. And then it's just like something's clicked in my brain. I this think, is the biggest U-turn of me for 2019. I think she's fucking great. I can't believe I came out of this year as a Billie Eilish stan. <laughs> Who'd have thought it? Who'd have thought it? Just great. Uh, number one is Harry Styles' Fine Line. Um, should we use this as the opportunity to talk about Fine Line? Let's unpack Fine Line, so shall we? So we haven't mentioned it yet because I think the last time we recorded was around the start of December and then this came out on the 13th. Yeah. Day after the election. <laughs> what a bummer. It's all we needed to get through. Yep. So Fine Line came out and, well... It was truly more complete than I expected. I'm so astounded astoundingly good extremely biased but i don't care don't care yeah it's so much more complete than i expected but it also sits in some really lovely pairings so you've got i think i tweeted about this you've got like watermelon sugar into adore you into lights up which is a really nice group such a trio you've got cherry into falling into be so lonely i could write 
a thesis on Cherry falling to be so lonely because it's such an interesting narrative. It really is. This is the most open we've ever had, Harry yep. Styles. We learn so much about him in this record. God, you do. So much. Golden and Fine Line as the bookends Golden are just... is such a good album opener. And yeah. Fine Line... Like, Who ends on one of the best songs of the record? It's, it's insane. That rarely, rarely happens. It's such a strong end. There's like... I felt like the last record sounded very kind of 70s, very Rod Stewarty. This, you've got moments that sound more indie. You've got like bits that sound like Bob Dylan. You've got stuff that sounds like Bon Iver. You've got some very 70s moments still. It's kind of, but it's still very complete. Yeah, but you've yeah. got all these different sounds. Yeah. Very intricate bits in the sound as well. Yeah. That like when you turn the music up loud, you can hear. Yeah. I just find it, it would be very hard to dispute his talent after listening to it's this It's such a good front to back record. In the sense that, like, I think while I think that Sign of the Times is a is a good album, I think that my response to Fine Line is just like completely different in the way that, like, I will quite gladly listen to it all in yeah. full and then go back to the start and listen to yeah. it again and take different stuff away from it. And I think that it's been really interesting in our household that Thomas finally has sort of got he gets her, it. He now. gets it. Now. He quote unquote gets. Yeah, and I think that it's because the record Fine Line has such a completeness. I mm. think, and I think there are there are like. You know, I've read lots of different reviews of mm-hmm. the record and I understand people's sort of criticisms and things that they like. And we had quite an interesting debate with Vaughn about mm-hmm. like our particular things that we prefer and yeah. the, th- the re- things on the record that we like don't like as much. But, you know, that's inevitable when you get any type of album, you're always going to have the songs that you prefer over others but I do think that I think one of the things I'd said to you both was like I feel like I've lived with this record for much longer and it's it's only been a couple of weeks whereas I think with Sign of the Times um I really really liked it but I wasn't as immediately like in like yes Mm -hmm. get this as I was with Fine Line yeah it's definitely a development I don't know if that's just because it's like growth with him as an artist or if it's just the absolute need for a new record or the yeah. period of time that it came out. I think there are a lot of different variables that have really made it this... I think as a pop record, it is just, it's just so strong. So strong. And just a cut above, unfortunately, what some of the other guys from One Direction are doing. And it's... I don't mean to be rude, but it... I think Harry has... I think me, there I think is more the longevity in Harry's career I think there comparatively is. to the others. That's not to say that the others aren't talented and don't have their successes but i think that in 15 20 30 years time i think that we'll look i think back he will as him still have a career as a career yeah i think, I think he'll think... still carry on i think he um i think this is only just the start really definitely um and it's worth saying that we were lucky enough to go to his secret show in camden a couple of weeks ago like the week before christmas which was a very <laughs> mad 24 hours that we did not expect ha- to happen i feel so grateful all it was such a whirlwind that like it I'm still not sure it happened. No. Tiny crowd played this record front to back. Stormzy came out. Just a moment that I think we really needed, particularly after the election failure and in the lead up to Christmas where things are winding down and you're just really tired and you just need work and everything to be over. Um, It was just a really golden evening, I think. I just was so overwhelmed. The atmosphere was wonderful. I just felt very lucky to be there, to be there with you, to have the chance to see him in such a small venue, particularly in contrast to, I mean, the last time we saw him at 
was at the Hammersmith Ballroom, mm-hmm. which is like not a huge that's venue. Not, I mean, that's like 3,000 people, yeah, isn't it? But then for comparison, we're seeing him at the O2 next or this April, um, which, and we saw him at the Electric Ballroom. So, mm-hmm. Electric Ballroom is like 1,500 cap. Yeah. Like the context of to see someone like him perform in a venue that small. And I think the thing that I took away from it was that he always looks like he's having such fun and he looked like looked like he was so excited to be playing these new songs mm. and there were moments where he looked quite overwhelmed at the reaction and it was only a week after the album had come out and everyone knew every word everyone knew every word everyone knew every like little interlude mm-hmm. there was the bit that comes oh at God. the end of cherry with the, yeah. <laughs> the cuckoo and all yeah. of that and everyone was with just Camille. doing it beat for beat and yeah, I just end like, of the end of sunflower as well yeah just everyone knew every he noise. did the noises and i just oh what a time. Great. It was great. Love it. Unashamedly, I'm extremely here for that. A few other sort of honourable mentions. Charlie XCX's record came out this year. James Blake assumed form. Orville Peck, which took me a while to get into because it is quite a departure to what I usually listen to, but it's good. Uh, and Ariana Grande, Thank You Next was a pretty good pop record as well. Came oh, that was this year, wasn't soon it? Soon after Sweetener, but there are some very strong Seven tracks. Rings on that yeah some very strong tracks on break that up record with your girlfriend. break up with your girlfriend is a great song, it's a great song. Um, and then also a quick shout out to some scores and soundtracks I think you and I both have listened to the Atticus Ross and Trent Reznor Watchmen OST just to death it's just so so good when I did my breakdown of like my top played albums of the year the, the first volume of that trio was like in my top 10 because yeah. I just absolutely rinsed it so good so so good I really enjoyed Michael Abel's Us yeah. that remix of I Got Five is <laughs> so good um, one of the best parts of that film yeah. is the score Ad Astra very good if you're yeah the Max Richter yeah. listening yeah Max Richter if you're just doing anything good with pod prep I've found good yes. to listen to with pod prep um, and also I spent quite a lot of time listening to the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood soundtrack in the summer so, so good uh, we did yeah. that drive didn't Total Throwback we did that drive listening to it it was good fun um, so good what's on your list Um, so I will go well, I've put 11 for some reason <laughs> I've got honourables but um, so Charlie XCX is Charlie is number 11 good fun. Um, I listened to this pretty relentlessly and then I haven't listened to it for a while and did on the walk home last night um, I think it's really really great there are some definite standout tracks in it and it definitely lags a little bit for me mm-hmm. towards the end yeah it picks back up again but it's just like I I love Charlie I just love the pop songs that she produces just brilliant number 10 is Igor by Tyler the Creator Mm -hmm. who would have thought that I would have been so invested in a Tyler the Creator record in the year of 2019 I think Igor is such a good were you invested in the first record when it came out I think I liked it but also it made me uncomfortable quite a lot and I think that that odd future Tyler period of time is interesting snapshot of culture that's another band i saw at the underworld yeah i know mad <laughs> but i think that igor is just a very very interesting look at him as a musician he's had an interesting trajectory I yeah think. he did all of the production and everything on this mm. record which i think actually sort of highlights how brilliant he is as a performer as a writer as a producer so i really enjoyed that number nine was all mirrors by angel olsen mm-hmm. um i think of of angel olsen's records i think it's actually probably my favorite i think it's really really strong it's the one that i've immediately taken to more than the others um and i've just really enjoyed mm-hmm. re- revisiting that throughout the year number eight is dog Rail by um an irish band called fontaine's dc mm-hmm. tom and i have re- listened to this relentlessly um they're just brilliant number seven is a sort of a double 
double-hander mm-hmm. because Big Thief released two records weird that they this released year. Two re- records this it's year. weird they released two records this year and it's weird that both of the records they released this year are fucking flawless. Mm. So UFOF and Two Hands. I think I preferred Two Hands to UFOF, but they're both brilliant. Um, not Their song Not From Two Hands is probably my favourite song of the year. It's just very intense and overwhelming. And um, they're a band that I don't think I necessarily got particularly when they mm-hmm. released their first record, but they've definitely grown on me. And I've, I've really enjoyed those. Um, number six is Taylor Swift's Lover. Mm-hmm. Um, number five is Pony by Orville Peck. Oh. Orville Peck is such a firm favourite in our house. We saw him in October in London and I just think he's such an interesting artist. It reminds me a lot of... It's got a bit Twin Peaksy. It's obviously country-inflected. Mm. I just think his voice is sort of... Reminds me of quite a few people, but I just think it's just brilliant. I'm, Again, 2019, Year of the Cowboy. Year of the Cowboy, yee-haw. Just brilliant. And number four is Anima by Tom York. Mm-hmm. Um, I really love Tom York. I really love Radiohead. I think I always prefer Tom York's solo records mm. to actual Radiohead full lengths, but... this I think that's fair enough. Yeah, this came at a time where actually I was not feeling particularly good, and it's weird because Anima is a record I think is particularly, I find it quite anxiety inducing, mm-hmm. but in the way that I really enjoy the way that Uncut Gems induces anxiety, there's something very interesting about the way that I like listening to Anima and I'm not feeling that great and actually it kind of makes me feel better. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a really brilliant video for one of the songs on the album that was directed by Paul Thomas Anderson, who's like a known Radiohead fan. So that combo for me was just like... An absolute win. Number three is Lizzo's Cause I Love You. And this is a record that like when it came out, I kind of was like, yeah, it's good. Didn't necessarily think I was going to become as invested in it as I have been, but it's just such a nice pick me up. And I just think that she's such it's really a, fun. She's such a brilliant performer and, you know, is very outspoken about a whole number of things in an industry that I think necessarily isn't as outspoken about mm-hmm. particular you yeah. know, things of that, of that nature. And 100%. I think that she's just, I think her career is. She's a great role model, isn't she? And she she's really great is. Fun. And I think that she's going to be someone whose career I think is just going to go from strength to strength and she's going to probably be heralded as one of the greats going forward uh, number two is fine line because harry styles harry styles why not um and then my number one is obviously the nationals i'm easy to find um it can't be a year where the national release a record and it doesn't become my most favorite thing in the entire world i've written at length and talked at length about the way that the national is so deeply embedded in my psyche and my i don't know life and this came at a time where i just really needed it and i was really lucky to have the opportunity to go and see them perform at the south bank center in london mm. before the album came out and they played it in full and they premiered their short film which accompanies the album which is directed by mike mills another one of my favorite directors and they did a q a and i just found the whole thing very very overwhelming and this album has really soundtracked my year i saw them in berlin in november and then i saw them in brighton in december and i just no other band makes me feel like the national make me feel and they're absolute i don't know sad girl music but i don't know (laughs) this album is just brilliant and oblivions which is one of the singles from that record is just it got me through four flights this year in a way that probably nothing else would have Mm. done so there you go i've also got a soundtracks and scores section so you've already mentioned the trent reza and atticus roch watchman's uh max richter's ad astra score Um, i've really enjoyed catching up with the alexander desplatz score little Little women Women. daniel lopatan's uncut gems score emile mosseri's the last black man in san francisco score Mm -hmm. as well 
while was is just brilliant and then also big shout out for nicholas Brattel who did some amazing work on if bill street could talk mm. succession and the king this year i think he's a really great wow. composer really enjoyed those um and some other n- notable others you've already mentioned fk twigs um solange is when i get home uh, Maggie Rogers heard it in a past life. Jenny Lewis is on the line. Weekly Vampire Weekends, Father of Bride, Ceremonies in the Spirit World, Alana Del Rey's Norma, Norman Fucking Rockwell. You know Rockwell. what? I just didn't bond with that record. You know what? A I lot think it's of really, people really, it's really love it. on me. I think it's like it's nice, but I I don't. I think it's probably something that I find a li- hard to listen to in its entirety. It's really interesting again, just because it's been. I know it's been on a lot of people's lists. Yeah, I definitely. It's not one of my favourites of the year, but I found myself going back to it, and I've enjoyed it. Carly Rae Jepsen's dedicated Beyonce's Homecoming as well was. I forgot Homecoming Live was this Uh, year. God, that was good. Not so good. The Karen O and Danger Mouse Lux Prima collab, and I also liked the Nick Cave Ghostine and the Drab Majesty. Nick Cave was very good. The Drab Majesty record as well. The Drab Majesty record is probably, apart from Harry Styles, obviously my favourite record of the year, which I think I talked about very briefly before. So if you like any kind of 80s style post-punk electro-y imbued rock then definitely give that a listen we've put together a spotify playlist of some of our favorite songs from these albums and just standalone songs as well so i'll definitely link to that in the show notes and also on the blog and on twitter as well now on to podcasts do you have any podcasts you'd like to shout out um so my podcast listening seems to come in peaks and troughs really there are the standard ones i really enjoy so the ringers output Mm -hmm. uh big picture jam session tea time the general ringer dish feed i also really enjoyed this year the crime towns the ballad of billy balls i Mm -hmm. can't remember if we mentioned it but it's a really interesting look into a punk singer in the 70s and the impact that his death has on his lover and then subsequently their child hitman as well really Mm -hmm. interesting crime procedural look at a book that was a hitman manual you must remember this is a series on the six oh, yeah. degrees of song of the south loved that a catch and kill podcast which is still ongoing mm-hmm. the dropout which i think is something we've both mm-hmm. really enjoyed i did like the monsters zodiac killer i didn't I don't think oh, yeah. i particularly learned anything new from it i think that was something for me is that i didn't learn, learn no but it was interesting you. because zodiac is one of my favorite kind of true crime ongoing Mm -hmm. stories there's the roy cast which is the first kind of independent succession themed podcast love those guys uh dolly parton's america i got very into the bon appetit food cast the sporkful and also generally a24's podcast feed and Mm. the directors guild of america's podcast feed as well which often has very interesting pairings of Mm -hmm. directors actors interviewing each other so really enjoyed that strong I'm going to echo some of those. So the standouts for me were a lot of these self-contained kind of mini-series, I really series podcasts. enjoy those a lot more now because yeah. actually it's quite nice to listen to like a complete story. Yeah, it is. It's really good. So you mentioned the dropout from ABC, the story of Elizabeth Holmes, sort of the next Steve Jobs, and Theranos, which is just jaw-dropping, really. Definitely have to listen to that, especially if you don't know anything about it because it's, it's a real ride. It's a real ride. <laughs> the Ballad of Billy Balls, as you said, from Crime Town with Iotillit Wright, just really intriguing, a really interesting snapshot in time. Very, very emotive, very hard to listen to. Completely not um, what I thought it was going to no, be. No, it, but in it a good definitely way. turns into something that you don't expect, which yep. is, you, you feel it a lot more than you expect, mm-hmm. I think. Prince, the story of 1999, um, from the Prince estate, is, funnily enough, the story of the making of the record 1999. Just has some wonderful tidbits and anecdotes about Prince and his life brings me great joy. Man in the Window from Wondery was a podcast about the Golden State Killer, 
Um, there has been a lot about the Golden State Killer in recent years, especially since his capture. Again, really good limited series. And I think I did learn quite a lot from that, actually. Um, as someone who's read a few books about Golden State Killer, I've, it's a yeah, really good kind of um, audio guide to that. The Catch and Kill podcast with Ronan Farrow, Pineapple Street Studios, you mentioned, uh, which is primarily about Harvey Weinstein. And I also wanted to shout out Tea Time, as you said, from The Ringer, um, as just a great podcast culture balance to our podcast i think so i think they go hand in hand quite nicely i think they do fun and also the constant reader which is a stephen king podcast um which began this year i was on it as a guest and it's just a real great thing to listen to so thank you to richard for bringing that out um and if you're a stephen king fan in the slightest please tune into it they are covering all of the books chronologically but they're also looking at a lot of the film adaptations so it's very very good lovely stuff um books Books. We don't really ever talk about books on this podcast. No, I mean we did a deep dive into Find Me, and I think I think when the moment calls for it, we when do. The moment takes us. It's interesting given that we both work in um, the realm of books and yeah. literature in some way. Maybe that's um, why we don't do it. it. Yeah, I mean there might be an element of escapism there because I spend thirty-seven hours a week talking about <laughs> books. Um, but a few highlights that I will mention are Ghostland from Edward Parnell which is a really interesting and quite chunky look at British folklore, British sort of horror literature and ghost stories, nature writing, um, and how they all combine. It's basically how the British countryside and wildlife has informed a lot of sort of ghost stories and folk tales um, and films and weird television commercials everything from mr james to yeah all, all of that kind of thing it's really really interesting part memoir part nature writing part sort of huge bible of research for if you're interested in folk horror or anything like that it's got the wicker man in it. it's really really interesting um, and very very well put together shadow play from joseph o'connor is a book that looks at bram stoker's life when he was writing Dracula and working with uh, the actor Henry Irving because he worked yeah he worked behind the scenes in theatre um, for much of his life and it's a sort of fictitious uh, imagining of that period of time and the relationship between some of the key players in Bram Stoker's life including Henry Irving. Um, I wrote one of my dissertations on Bram Stoker, Henry Irving the beefsteakers and his sort of relationship with men and women at the time of writing Dracula so this was a total obvious choice for me and I thought it was really really well written Joseph O'Connor is great on earth we're briefly gorgeous ocean young just really so beautiful very beautiful very visceral in some places I just I felt a lot of it you can tell (laughs) so that book is one of my favorites of last year as well and you can tell that um ocean young is a poet because so much of the prose is so poetic yeah it's very lyrical and yeah it's it's a really beautiful read. Very, very much enjoyed it. Find Me from Andre Asaman was a book that we've spoken about at length and which I didn't love to begin with um, and actually on a second reading came to appreciate it much more. And then when I saw him speaking about it at Cambridge Lit Fest, that really took it home for me as well. And there are a lot of things about that book that I don't like, but there are a lot of things that still mean a lot to me. And I'm still not sure whether I needed it but I have come to appreciate it. I found that when we had the conversation with Claire in um, our episode, which focused on it, which mm. we'll definitely link to, I found that actually by talking about it with you two, 
other people mm. who are obsessed with the coming by a name universe yeah. i guess um it made me want to reread it for a second time actually which i haven't done yet because i think that there are definite things in it which i think are incredibly flawed but mm. i actually think there's a lot in it that just is quite moving i think there's a book that talks about aging and memory and even things like the concept of vigils like yeah. visiting places that have a really strong emotional tie to you or have very strong memories. Those sort of things are the things that I really took away from it a lot more. It's the emotional responses to situations and moments that I think actually I find so relatable and so mm-hmm. um, overwhelming to kind of comprehend. So I think that... And also I think for that book in particular, so much of our reaction to it is circumstantial in mm-hmm. the sense that, you know, we went to see the film in London with Vaughn again mm-hmm. and then we got a copy of the book in advance mm-hmm. and we saw Andre do the Q&A there. And, and I think that, yeah... That's I think so sometimes imp- something might not be the best, but like the experiences I have around them like yeah. mean a lot to me. Yeah. So I think that entire package has really cemented it as a book that was quite important for me this year. Definitely. Night Theatre by Vikram Paralkar is a really interesting little book that is definitely worth reading about a, a doctor who is late at night in his clinic and a family call upon him who have been attacked severely and injured and they need his help to get better. But as he's examining them, he realises there's basically no way they could be alive um, and they should be dead as a result of these injuries because they're so traumatic. But for some reason or another, these people are alive in some way or seem to be alive and are asking them him for his help. They need help before the sun comes up so that they can live again. Um, again, a really moving book, actually. is isn't as dark as it sounds. It sounds dark, but it, it, it isn't. And again, it's a really interesting meditation on sort of life and death and the afterlife. Really, really interesting, worth reading. I really enjoyed Constellations by Sinead Gleason, which is a collection of essays about being a woman, about the female body, about illness, about faith and life and death. The whole female experience, really, um, it's very, very moving. Yeah, it really stuck with me. Um, I really enjoyed Fangirls by Hannah Ewens, which we've discussed between us uh, at length. Obviously, we like a book that is about fandom. Who'd have thought it? Everything from Elvis Presley and the Beatles to One Direction, Beyonce and My Chemical Romance. It's just, there are so many things in that that we've spoken about between ourselves. It felt um, so like relatable so relatable and so interesting really sort of uh, saw some really strong parallels when we went to sort of london film festival and things like that so just a really well put together well researched book i really like the way the chapters are structured um as well uh lie with me philippe besson translated by molly ringwald that molly ringwald so who knew french to english literary translator what can you know what else can she do she's just amazing this is quite a small novella uh, that i read last week which i've wanted to read all year gets a lot of comparisons to call me by your name which is understandable um in a way about two young men and their relationship and uh, it's it's sort of framed from the point of view of one of the young men who is now older and is looking back on that time when they were at school. There are two moments in it that distinctly stabbed me in the heart and then I couldn't go to sleep after I'd read it because it really, really hurt, which reminded me of Call Me By Your Name a lot. So yeah, you could read it in one sitting. It's definitely worth it. And also Lanny 
Max Porter. <sighs> Max Porter hive over here. Just big, big fans. Again, a book that had a lot of sort of circumstantial, uh, a lot of events. So I went to an event in London at the South Bank with Max doing a live reading of his book with a musical accompaniment and some other very fine actors reading other pieces. And it was just so absorbing. I just love this book so much. There's so much myth and nature and... It's a weird little book and it just stuck with me so completely. I think that's why I enjoyed it so much because it lingers. It really, really In does In the same linger. way that I think that Griffith's Thing with Feathers, his other yeah. book, um, lingers too, which I reread actually not very long after Lanny mm-hmm. and before we went to see it at the Barbican mm. this year. And I think I took a lot more away from it the second time than I did the first time. Still, still incredibly overwhelming, but Lanny definitely lingers and I've thought about sort of passages of it and so much throughout the year and I think that Max Porter is someone who we just adore he's such a wordsmith he's such a clever man he's a fantastic writer and he's in real life so personable and just I don't know you'd expect him to be intimidating and he's just he's just not he's such a, a a warm casual person and he appreciates pop music and I really appreciate that about him he does doesn't he what were your books? Um, so, uh, a few things that you've already mentioned. These aren't really in any order because that's just, like, too desperately stressful. Hannah Ewens' Fangirls, as mentioned. I really mm. enjoyed Daisy Jones and the Six by Taylor Jenkins Reid. Oh, good. Um, I read it very, very swiftly. It's sort of structured like it's an oral history about a group of performers who've sort of... Are they basically Fleetwood Mac? It's basically Fleetwood Mac. And I spent about three weeks afterwards listening to nothing but Fleetwood Mac as a as a um, result they are making it into an amazon prime series Interesting. and um riley keogh is playing Ugh. daisy jones which i'm so fucking psyched for because i think she's brilliant and i think she'll be a good daisy jones but it's just very like i really one of my favorite films is almost famous i'm a mm-hmm. big fleetwood mac fan so this is like completely in my lane of like interests and it's just really brilliant i love the structure of an oral history so it's lots of different voices you know talking about events over a particular period of time retrospectively and it's definitely just it was a very like it's quite a stacked book i guess but it's not a particularly difficult read um so i definitely would suggest that people give it a go if they're into that kind of thing paul takes the form of a mortal girl by andrea lawler was just a really really I really want to read that read. it's just has a lot about gender and fluidity and identity and bodies and and you know changing metamorphosis and it's just has a brilliant soundtrack in it as well which there is a spotify playlist of so i remember listening to that relentlessly afterwards and i just really really enjoyed it. it took me ages to read it not because I, it's a slog, but I think I just wanted to spend my time with it. So I remember definitely eking it out, but mm. um, it was just brilliant. Lanny, of course. Um, I read The Falconer by Dana Zapnik all in one day when I was in Barcelona this summer. Is that turning into a film? Have I imagined I, that? I hope so. I couldn't read it without thinking of the main character, the male main character in it sorry called Percy as being Timmy though so it's going to be quite difficult for me if if they make it into a film and he's not playing Percy because he's just Percy um I just really really loved it The Friend by Sigrid Nunez was something I picked up last minute because I needed something to take away for a weekend and I just absolutely adored it On Earth We're Briefly Gorgeous by Oshun Vong as mentioned I read um, Paradise Rot by Jenny Val over Christmas Mm. Um, Tom bought it for me as a present it's the first English language translation Mm -hmm. of Jenny Val's work she's Norwegian um it's a really short no 
novella, which again looks at bodies and relationships mm. and female dynamics and identity and queerness and all of this stuff. I just it's very palpable and it doesn't take you very long to read it and it reminds me of something else and I think I said to you I need you to read it because I can't think of what it reminds me Mm -hmm. of but it was just brilliant she did a few years ago a concept album about vampires and kind of stuff like that Um, I remember it being recommended to us by our friends at Hot Salvation when we went there and it's just brilliant I think she's fucking great so and I didn't even realize there was a translation of her work it was only when we were in Berlin in November that we went to a gallery and I happened to see that one of the gallery attendants was reading reading it mm. um so one of those things i think it's published through verso yeah yeah, yeah known for sense. like producing um sort of very interesting translations mm. of books so definitely worth seeking out um i read all of three women by lisa taddeo which is a book that's been quite polarizing this year yeah um it is non-fiction i understand its flaws but i think part of why i enjoyed it so much is that it reads so much like a book mm-hmm. in the like a fiction novel or something it reads so much like a book it reads, so, it reads so much like it's fiction that i just like blasted my way through it and i I think it's definitely a talking point. Um, I was sceptical going into it, but I think there's lots of interesting things going on in it, even mm. if I do think that it's a very um, limited look at the female sexual experience. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I really enjoyed Women by Chloe Caldwell. Again, that's a sort of short little novella, as is Exposure by Olivia Sujek. And I read all of She Said by Jodie Cantor and Megan Toohey, which was really interesting because we've talked at length on this podcast about the Harvey Weinstein mm. Scandal on the New York Times, unearthing of that. And so the, this book is, is written by the two journalists who were involved in the kind of breaking of that story. And mm-hmm. in the same way that I really enjoy like a newsroom mm. procedural film, this book was very interesting overlook into kind of investigative journalism and what it involves mm, and mm. The, it was really interesting to see actually kind of like the process they had to take to kind of meet with sources mm. and w- my big takeaway from this was actually how involved Gwyneth Paltrow was behind the scenes in yeah. a way that she was very good at connecting other people even if she didn't come forward herself mm-hmm. first until the end so that was really really interesting um I also really enjoyed notable others uh, Little Weirds by Jenny Slate which is her collection oh, of yes. essays um They're There by Tommy Orange I read all of the Outline trilogy by Rachel Cusk this year find me of course and I also read his dark materials books one and two so far for the first time I'm ever. so glad you've read them yeah so I'm glad I'm really ashamed that I'd never read them before it doesn't matter um, you caught but there's such a fun time and I actually wish that now as an adult that when I was a kid I just dedicated my time to that mm. and not Harry Potter mm. because <laughs> JK Rowling is trash she's trash now so there we go um, so just as a final roundup, some people and moments and things that we really enjoyed this year. Do you want to go first? Yeah, so um, apologies if this is like absolute Virginia Woolf-esque stream of consciousness, but I wrote this out and it's sort of halfway through it switches into just general nice things from this year. So It's nice to do a recap of nice things. That yeah, happened. so I mean, <coughs> firstly, I'll just shout out our zine in the sense that we have some of our zine. We, we did another There's second print left. run. So if you still haven't read it yet and would like to, then definitely grab yourself a copy from the Big Cartel. I'll link in the show notes. At the back of that, there is a list of all of our obsessions of the week from it's 2019. So that took me a while to compile that. She, so. It took us a while and it was also a, a depressing indictment of I don't know the amount of lusting we do over various things throughout the year so my people places things obsessions of 2019 <clears throat> Jake Gyllenhaal getting Instagram Shia LaBeouf Adam Driver being tall Brad Pitt being extremely in the public consciousness hot priest 
Harry Styles bringing us extreme joy, Timothy, Robert Pattinson spitting, Harry at the Met, Chris Evans' butt, the London Film Festival adventures, Von coming for summer and coming by your name again, Arzine, Killian Murphy in Griffith's Thing with Feathers, um, seeing the National at South Bank, Fleabag in London, our panel at Prima Donna, the concept of who fucks, memes, Captain America's butt and John Mulaney. Lovely. I had to stop myself. So good. Um, we could just go on forever. I could have gone on forever, but that's a little overview. Let me see if there are any... I'm going to pull out the ones that we haven't mentioned. So the ongoing saga of whether Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper are boning. Oh, that I was do a pretty think good about moment. that still. I yeah. um, was listening to one of the... So on Jam Session, they did like a roundup of celebrity moments from 2019. That's and a then, top one. And also 20, uh, moments from the decade. And they mentioned the Bradley Cooper, Lady Gaga. That was, that was early that. this year. It was early this year. Must it? not allow that to leave our consciousness. Uh, Fire, the greatest party that never happened. That was a good time. Fire Festival. Oh my God, Fire Festival. Oh, that was another fun time. That Kelsey Carter Harry song with oh my god, Kelsey the Carter and her face, fake face tattoo. Sure. Weird moment. Gillian Anderson in Sex Education. Just, just think we get more Gillian Anderson. I just fancy her so much. Um, I just need to mention that picture I sent you yesterday, which is Gillian Ugh. Anderson and Laura Dern, and in the middle of them is Adam Driver. An absolute sex sandwich. Wow. Uh, Operation Varsity Blues, which oh was the college god. admission scandal. What uh, time? God bless Felicity Huffman and Laurie Loughlin. You've already mentioned Andrew Scott as the priest. Met Gala generally this year was pretty strong. Analysing Janelle Monáe's love life. Spent a lot of time doing that. yeah, that was fun, wasn't it? Uh, Became a Sophie Turner stan. Who expected it? (gasps) Sophie Turner. Truly had a great time. Billy from Stranger Things. I also mentioned London Film Festival and meeting Greta Gerwig. Did we mention we met Greta Gerwig? We met Greta Gerwig. Just the complete renaissance of Rob Pattinson has been great. Do you know what? We're we're Um, going into such a good period of Rob content as well. We are. Just can't wait for Batman. about a wood season. Brad fucking Pitt. Brad fucking Pitt. I have been fully obsessed. And truly, it has been a year of Harry Styles with his Gucci ads, Rolling Stone editorials, SNL Double Duty, the record, secret shows, outfits, just amazing. And a year of Timothy with Golden Globe harnesses. We had the Venice space print suits we had the sparkly hoodie at london film festival we had the entertainment weekly with sasha we have two press tours we've had his blooming relationship with kid cuddy and we had that hideous snog on a boat oh timmy just what a year what a year of timmy thanks to everyone for sticking with us through yeah, it we've thanks. got a lot of listeners who we know tune in specifically for that content and we're very grateful to you and apologies to anyone else who's not interested but has stuck with us anyway i think one of our resolutions for um 2020 should just be to f- not worry about alienating anyone else who doesn't I don't care, care. About I'm just me. going to talk about the stuff that you I know love. what you sign up for guys come, come on. on so that's our little recap of 2019 um we promised that we will try and be more organized and do more regular episodes <laughs> um I just find the Christmas period just throws an absolute spanner in the works oh it screws everything December's a night my entire routine has been out of whack for weeks right I didn't I went back to work this week and I I absolutely my brain couldn't function no I'm dreading doing a whole full week of work again I'm well, just I'm used to being a lady of leisure yeah. and eating terrible things and yeah. sleeping in and all those things so Here's to 2020. Here's to 2020. May it be better than 2019. Well, I mean, we're four days in and it's already not, so... No, that's true. World War Three. <laughs> well, we go. Um, so you can find us online. Twitter, we're at the thirst. Soundcloud.com forward slash the thirst pod. You can subscribe and review us on Apple Podcasts by searching for the thirst. Our Instagram handle is at the thirst pod. The thirst pod.wordpress.com is our blog. And you can also find us over on Facebook by searching for the thirst pod. Um, thanks very much. Bye. Bye. 